0: Support your journey to wellness at B I O P T I M I Z E R S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Hello and welcome to hit on... Mm, mm, that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wake um, up, so, San I Francisco. Know. <laughs> Welcome to your weekly therapy podcast, a podcast where we talk about pop culture through the lens of mental health. My name is Tell Williams, pre K teacher and therapist.
2: My name is Anne Marie DePietro, psychiatric nurse practitioner.
1: I love that. I love that. And you were talking about how it's nurse practitioners week. Yes. It and I is. was super excited about this. Um, Me too. But there was confusion because I was like, I know that nurses week is in may because that's kind of around the time that teacher appreciation week is it is and then you informed me that nurse practitioners and nurses aren't the same thing
2: no not exactly i mean we still celebrate nurses week because we're nurses also yeah um but nurse practitioner week celebrates us by ourselves
1: i love that so what is um a nurse practitioner
2: so a nurse practitioner is a registered nurse that goes back to school um, to get an advanced degree, and it could be in anything from psychiatry, like mine, or geriatrics, or a nurse midwife, or a nurse anesthetist, um, an acute care nurse practitioner. So we have all different programs, and you get board certified in your particular specialty.
1: So if you're a nurse practitioner, you're, you you are specialized in a specific field within yes. that okay and yes. you're doing mental health
2: right yep i
1: have some notes here because i'm not gonna lie the 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 field of nursing is completely over my head um mm-hmm. so i'm like okay i need to know some of these questions so i'm sure like other people have those then right. if i do right um like which is
2: kind of ironic though because teachers and nurses share so many similarities right
1: i feel like yes like and, and also like There's so many nurses I talk to that are like, I don't know how teachers do it and vice versa. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I feel like there's just such an appreciation on both sides of it. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Our bladders. Oh, oh my gosh. Right. Like, you can't go to the bathroom and then the nurse helps take care of you not being able to go to the bathroom. Um, Okay. So, like, because I, like, when I was asking, like, I don't really, again, knew that there's difference between a nurse practitioner and a nurse. Is there, like, um, a TV show or, like, a movie that has a nurse practitioner in
2: it? Yeah, so on, I think it's either Netflix or Hulu, um, Virgin River is about a nurse practitioner that moves out to, like, a rural area, um, and she's a nurse practitioner that works with a physician there. It's probably, like, the most accurate portrayal of a nurse practitioner, Um, and then on The Resident, they actually killed her off, so spoiler (gasps) alert if you start from the beginning. (laughs) Funny. Yeah, Nick goes, uh, bye-bye's. But, yeah, she was a nurse practitioner, too.
1: And I'm sure, like, if we, like, went back and, like, rewatched, like, ER or something like that, Mm -hmm. we could find a bunch of nurse practitioners there. I think that's so interesting. Like, I'm glad that, like, you've told me this because I was like, oh, I guess I didn't realize that, you know, and they both are, they're both different and both, like, widely needed. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's, like, not, like, one over the other that's, like, like, we need all. (laughs) Oh,
2: I mean, nurse practitioners can't function without nurses. It's. The amount of respect I have for registered nurses, it I could never. Yeah, I knew from when I got out of school, like I could never. They are like teachers to me, right? Like, yeah, I, I just can't.
1: And we were like, I think too, we were talking about like um something that we've talked about for a while because this kind of again blew my mind because I didn't know there was the difference. Is like you prescribe medication? Mm-hmm. Can can like an RN do that? No. I bet that's for some of them. That's such a relief.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah. I mean, especially in light of the stimulant crisis. But right, so nurse practitioners get in Pennsylvania at least what's called prescriptive authority. Okay. So we can prescribe whatever drugs are related to our specialty right. or whatever our collaborating physician and I agree on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we prescribe medicine. That's a huge part of our job. Diagnosing, prescribing medicine. We can declare people dead.
1: Who can and can't proclaim someone dead? Like, can't you just right. like.
2: It's like a new right that we got to proclaim people dead. I'm not <laughs> I kidding.
1: Know. I mean, that's good, I guess. But my God, like, what? Yeah. I guess I didn't realize that there's only certain people of authority that can decide oh, yeah. if someone's dead or not.
2: Right. Like, I'd be like, tell Williams time of death. 752
1: i guess this is a good thing right because if we're talking back to like the 1700s like barbers were doing that right. so i guess we should put some people. i mean people were that yeah. that maybe this is how we stop burying people alive. right
2: right i mean you don't want to <laughs> declare someone dead that ain't dead
1: right that is some halloween shit and we yeah. passed that holiday yeah.
2: so <laughs> i mean i must admit they don't like teach us in school how to like specifically determine if someone's dead but right. i think like You know, rationally, we like check if they're breathing and shit. Right.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. Um. So one of the common things I hear, like we share a wall, like our offices touch. One of the common things I can hear you like screaming when you're off the phone because you're very calm, cool, and collected when you're on the phone with someone is like over medications, pharmacies, insurance, and stuff. And I know, like, as people who are probably listening, I've I've had issue with medication, like in me getting it. I know you as like not just a nurse practitioner, but like a human have had that. Mm -hmm. So like pharmacies, (sighs) what's going on?
2: So... I want to preface this by saying i know that pharmacies are in a ridiculously dire shortage oh God, of yeah. pharmacists and pharmacy techs like in the notes on my e-prescribing like i'll write like nice notes to the pharmacist like <laughs> keep up the good work you guys are always so great to You're me doing great, blah, blah. yeah i mean i'm honest the ones that like don't do that I, you don't get a compliment from me but i try not to be too mean um You know, pharmacies and prescribers have to work together to some extent, but we don't really work great together. Um, There's a lot of, like, putting blame on prescribers if you can't get a med and, like, not explaining to the patient what's going on. So then I get, like, nasty texts or emails from patients like, The pharmacy said they contacted you 42 and a half times and you haven't responded. Right. I'm like, first of all, it's not 1972. So I don't take like 38 (laughs) faxes from CVS in a day. Right. Like it took me three years to get CVS to stop faxing me refill requests. Shut up. Faxing? Yes. Yes. No. I pay... Per fax. Okay. So if CVS would send me an influx of pharmacy requests, I could be paying like upwards of 10 bucks a day. You know, like who has time to go through that?
1: The other day, I was like freaking out because I was waiting for a prescription to come. Mm -hmm. I've had so many issues with the pharmacy, but I was waiting for a prescription to come and I was like, okay, where is it? Where has it been? And I went to go pick it up and it gave me a prescription for when I had kidney stones last summer. I'm like, Ma'am, I'm here for ADHD medication, not not That's what I'm you know, Tamsellin or whatever it was. And I was so frustrated. Um, but then I like and I think I've told you about this because I was so furious when it happened. But like I would say like a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and we're gonna get into it later about ADHD medication, like why you can't just like not take it. But I, I was on I still am on ADHD medication and I went to go to the pharmacy to pick it up and had I'd run out, but I knew there was a refill that morning. And I go in there and I'm like, and this was during like the height of my um a graduate degree and all this stuff. Like I needed the medication. Um, and I take it for more than just ADHD, I take it for eating disorder. I go to pick it up. And she was like, Did your insurance change? And I was like, No, like the pharmacy tech wanted to pick it up. And she was like, They don't cover it. I'm like, our our insurance didn't change, they definitely cover it. And she was like, they don't. And she kept typing in. She's like, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, uh, so like obviously you don't want it today. I'm like, Oh, I, I need it today. It's not, it's not if I want it or not. Like I won't, like I have to have it. Like I see a therapist, it's a full holistic approach, but a huge component of that is medication. I had to pay 400 and some dollars for my medicine and they were like, kept apologize, kept apologizing, kept apologizing. I got to my internship, which I was full blown doing therapy independently by myself. And I, a client had just left and my phone starts ringing I pick it up and it was a number I didn't know, which I wouldn't normally pick up. And they were like, can you please come back? We messed up. And I'm like, did I take the wrong pill? <laughs> like, she's like, no, we were putting your husband's birth date in because my husband's the policy holder.
2: Mm. So it was completely insured
1: the entire time. They just flipped our birth dates around when they put it in.
2: Well, I'm shooketh that they actually called you and admitted that.
1: I think it's because I paid full for a very expensive medication. That medication usually $10. So I think because of the astronomical difference, there was like a sense of guilt. Cause so I was like, I, I can't go without it today.
2: One of my patients paid over $1,000 for her medication, like thinking that she like needed to meet her deductible or something. Shut and she up. told me about this and I was like, there's a coupon. Like you were supposed to they pay $10. No, it oh. was a brand coupon. Like any brand drug, usually the drug company gives you some sort of coupon until the drug goes generic. Yeah. And this particular company gives a coupon that not only lowers the price, but pays down your deductible. She still paid out of. I was like, please never, ever do that again. Like, call me right away. Yeah. I will fix it. But it's big pharma, man. It's- and
1: when well, and I feel terrible, right, because like we said before like that day I was so. I was so aggravated but like I've also gone to the pharmacy and they've been short-staffed and I'm not joking when I say like it's all the way through like the card aisle and then like Mm -hmm. buy the seasonal candy and I'm like this is the longest line I can't imagine like Mm -hmm. it feels like there's no end.
2: right? Right. I mean my pharmacy, I'm like I prescribe to my own pharmacy a lot, like for other patients. And like sometimes if I call about one of my scripts I like accidentally press the prescriber line because I'm like so right, used right. to doing that. So on the voicemail I'll be like, Hi, this is Amory DePeacher, nurse practitioner, but um, this is actually about myself I'm sorry I accidentally pressed this button but like please don't hate me but they're always like so sweet yeah. but th- you know the, there's floater pharmacists that yeah, like it's not yeah. their resident pharmacy right. and a lot of times that causes a lot of trouble too
1: so you can like kind of like they have like um, like traveling doctors and nurses yeah. so they have traveling pharmacists
2: Yeah, my ex-girlfriend was a floater.
1: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. I mean, not her at all, but yeah. She
1: wasn't, but the job is. Right, The job sounds great. The
2: job minus the human,
1: yeah. So like there are some systemic issues with the pharmacy, right? Like like one, like baby, don't call me, don't beat me if you got to reach me because the amount of text messages I have gotten from them.
2: The text messages are, tell them about the text message I hate the most.
1: The preauthorization. Mm-hmm. You tried to explain to me before we started because I was like, Well, I don't okay. think we need to explain to people pre-authorization. No, no but do. I don't even know what it right. means.
2: <laughs> okay. So people so two things happen. One, you go to the pharmacy and the pharmacist will say, Oh, your insurance company doesn't cover this medicine. Right. So then the patient comes back to me and they're like, Oh, Amory, this medication's not covered. And I'm like, No, no, no. Your insurance company doesn't cover it right now, but I can do an authorization to get them to pay for it. That's scenario one. Scenario two is the patient gets a text message that says, We are contacting your doctor for an alternative prescription for, say, Vivance, right? right? Vivo la Vivance. And so Vivance is generic. So this is like RIP to the good old days. But what that would mean is the pharmacy would be contacting me basically saying that the Vivance isn't covered. Do you want to use a generic alternative? No, I don't. Because if I wanted to use a generic alternative, I would have prescribed a generic right. alternative because this isn't my first rodeo. And I'm pretty aware of the generic alternative stimulants. Right. So thank you, CBS. Um, but the patient has no idea what that even means, right? So that text now during the stimulant crisis has also become either the insurance company doesn't cover it the pharmacy doesn't have it in stock like it's stuck in like Timbuktu for the next 850 <laughs> years like no one knows what that means you know right. like it's so regardless it's a huge problem the biggest problem though is the prior authorization So a prior authorization means that your insurance company doesn't cover it unless a provider provides the insurance company with rationale for why they should cover it.
1: Which is so wild to me Mm because they aren't the a lot of times the person yes. that's saying like no to it isn't they don't have the full story full background and they're not a physician to, and, and, or well, a nurse practitioner or anyone that should be saying no
2: well right i mean usually girlfriend is like you know not going to school for that like right. girlfriend went for criminal justice and right. now she's working for the insurance company 100 like, like by baby. all means sister i right. understand like Let's help you get a job with the FBI. But you this know, isn't this some is law and order episode. No. You know,
1: we don't need this investigated. No. We need this person to be right. medicated, honey. Right,
2: right. So here's the process the provider fills out a prior authorization. So, like in my case, I do my own prior auth because I have a private practice. Right. In most larger practices, they either have admin staff that do it or like registered nurses that do it. Right. And I give all the sympathy to all of those humans. 100%. Truly, I do. Um back in my day like before there was an online service yeah. we literally used to have to fill out a paper form and fax it to the insurance company. So like I would develop all sorts of systems like I'd fill out a form for my staff and then like they'd be able to fill stuff in and we had this binder of all the forms and but now it's a little more uniform cuz at least there's like an electronic way to submit it.
1: What is up with medical and faxes my god
2: we love the facts
1: apparently
2: like fax for eva no thank
1: you hard pass the
2: facts the fact like sometimes i get mine's electronic so it'll be like faxage you've received a 69 page fax and i'm like Mm -mm. that just cost me 15 dollars stop faxing me
1: please yeah
2: Oh the best is I get these faxes now from CBS like Judy Sue got a flu shot. I don't give a flying fuck that Judy flu
1: Yeah, thank you. Right? Thank you like, so I'll have her fill that out the right, next time she like, comes in. listen
2: Judy, I am so glad you got your flu shot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I do not want to pay 15 cents to be notified you got your fucking flu shot. Right.
1: You literally I like and this is the thing that's like mind boggling is every time you see your NP, your your PC whoever you see you fill out that information. Do you not right. every single time you go in, they ask for like a most recent history and in there it'll right. say, Did you get your flu shot? Did you get this vaccine? Right. Did you get you know, whatever? So not only are you paying yeah. your it's it's too much. I mean like, no the, the gods
2: fast. of CVS notified me of your flu shot. Right. So I've now included that into the golden record. Like, no.
1: So you're telling me there's there are times though where if the insurance company is like Bobby doesn't need this medication. You can call insurance companies and say, Bobby does need this medication. And if you don't give it.
2: Yes. So prior authorizations are an art, not a science. I myself pride myself on shoving prior authorizations up insurance companies' assholes. Like <laughs> oh my God. literally, uh, like some of my drug reps will like bring me to certain offices to talk to the providers about doing prior auths because yeah. I feel such intense rage at the fact that insurance companies try to control what we prescribe and that people like don't get the drugs that could possibly help them so much more because there's a mental health crisis in this country and providers don't have time to like write the ridiculous letters that I write like in my spare time for fun you know like it's just not possible it's not doable you know when I was seeing 10 patients or patients for ten minutes, so like six in an hour. I wasn't able to spend my time fighting with an insurance company, 100%. right? So you know, now that I have a private practice, and I also have like a, a fiery hatred for insurance companies and their prior authorizations, and I get an intense high from getting the approval once right. they've denied right. it. You know, it's more like my self-care, you know,
1: to, to, to send the angry email. Yeah.
2: Sometimes when I'm at another provider's office, I'm like, if you want me to come in and do some of your prior loss, like, well, I'll be happy to do that. You know, like I had a girl, a new girl come to me and she was like, my last provider couldn't get my blah, blah, blah authorized. And I'm supposed to do a phone call with the, like the patient was right. going to do an appeal.
1: No. Oh yeah. I wouldn't even know how to do that.
2: She didn't know how to do it. She had it written on her calendar, the poor angel. And I was like, listen, give me two hours. Sure as shit, two hours later it was approved.
1: What percentage do you think when you email them and you're like, yo, you need to change your mind about this? It's like how what percentage do you like change their mind?
2: So I have done so many prior authorizations in my career that for the most part, I know what to write and how to write it. Yeah. But then you get these insurance companies who are like, I'm going to outsmart you, bitch. And I'm like, yeah, no, right. that's not going to happen. I mean, I did bring with me some of my favorites. I want you
1: to read. Um, You read. Whatever one there's one that I really really like that you had read to me earlier and I was like giggling some like the oh my The stimulant God. one yeah. or the
2: one about um I, oh, I think the it's the stimulant
1: good. Yeah.
2: Um, okay, so let me just set up the scene for you here. So basically what happens is there's a form that you fill out initially. It says like patient's name, the drug you want, the diagnosis you're prescribing it for, what other things they've tried in the past, why the things they've tried in the past have failed. And then why you find it medically necessary. Then you're like, okay, send. Then the insurance company says like, yes or no. Right. So this insurance company responds back to me and says, this medication is denied completely because we were not able to establish medical necessity. This medication must be approved for the treatment of your condition. We can't approve the request because the drug is not approved for the treatment of ADHD in adult patients 18 years of age and older. Now, please note that the drug is approved for ADHD in patients under 18. Right. Okay? So that's the first level of ridiculousness.
1: And usually it's like the opposite, right? Like if if there was a drug that was like for adults, they might have a little bit more leeway of saying like a kid shouldn't get it. but Correct other way, it's like it's gonna do way I would assume I don't know, I'm not a doctor no, or a right. nurse. Would do less harm for an adult than it can right.
2: but the point is the insurance company doesn't give a flying shit right about that. It's not about that, 100%. which hopefully you'll you'll hear in my letter. Yeah. So the original one got denied. Now, so I also refuse to participate in appeals or peer-to-peers because that's a waste of my time. Yeah. I don't have time to sit on the phone. I don't have time to do an appeal. So I just keep resubmitting the same prior off. Yeah. <clears throat> so I said... Note, medications are prescribed off-label for ADHD 21% of the time, according to NIH statistics in 2023. It is unlikely that ABC Insurance Company is denying 21% of medications based on FDA indication. If an individual has failed all medications with an FDA indication, is that person supposed to go without medication because they were denied something that is common in standard practice 21% of the time and with every other insurance company? That causes a huge treatment deficit and likely decompensation in a patient for whom I determined the drug I prescribed was clinically appropriate and medically necessary. If this were the off-label use of a generic, a.k.a. low-cost medication, this would not even have necessitated an approval. Therefore, it is not really a matter of the lack of FDA indication here, as you so state in the denial. It is because I am requesting a brand, a.k.a. more expensive Mm -hmm drug, and the fact that it is not FDA approved for ADHD is a very convenient denial reason which is selectively applied. Mm -hmm. The purpose of a prior authorization is to establish medical necessity and the reason why the requested drug is necessary over the formulary alternatives. I am the prescriber and the prescriber should be the one making the clinical decision for off-label prescribing, not the insurance company. Our responsibility to you is to justify why you should pay for it, not what I should prescribe, unless you want to accept full liability to this patient's decompensation and subsequent need for a higher level of care because of your selectively denying a high-cost brand medication. If you plan to accept full responsibility and take over prescribing responsibility for this patient, please respond indicating such in writing. Otherwise, I kindly ask you to allow me to make treatment decisions for my patient and that you resume acting within the scope of your role and approve this medication because I have adequately justified its medical necessity. Within 20 minutes, it was approved. Of course. One time I was trying to get this um, mood stabilizer approved for a patient. It was like adjunct treatment of depression, meaning mm. like you added onto the antidepressant. It was FDA-indicated, right, what mm. I was prescribing. The insurance company denied it and said that I hadn't tried adding amphetamine salts as an adjunct for depression. I I wish I should have looked up that letter, but... I went through the roof. Like, now you're talking about me prescribing a controlled substance right. to someone with a zero FDA indication. Meanwhile, you'd still require a prior auth right. for the amphetamine salts itself, in which case you wouldn't deny it because it's not FDA indicated because Adderall's cheap. Mm, which is weird. I'm beca- seeing some like issues beca- here.
1: Like, because maybe for like, maybe this um, suggestion. For a vast majority of people would work. But like not every client's and patient's diagnosis is the same. Mm-hmm. So like maybe there's a reason why they can't be put on a stimulant. So like like I have ADHD, right? Diagnosed mm-hmm. with that. I remember at one point like part of that diagnosis was like one of my professors when I was in school. was like, She saw me sign my signature and stop halfway in between to go do something else to come back to. It. And she was like, that's not typical that like like if you're if your mind is working that fast that like you stop the rhythm of something that's like quick as a signature because like my I literally couldn't focus on that so like and i talked about it a little at the beginning like I can be off medication for ADHD right I live 29 29 years without it 32 now I live 29 years without it I will tell you the second I took medication for it that i was already in therapy when the the medicine hit that first time and i cried like i was super calm um i was very like my mind was quiet and i remember being able i'm also horrifically dyslexic and i remember being able to sit and read for a few hours without you know being distracted and, and it was just like and i think after you have gotten yourself into a healthy place of therapy and um i i also took uh my medication for binging disorder um the the stimulant so when you got yourself in a a very healthy place and you have every component working for this holistic approach and then an and then a stimulant shortage happens it is infuriating to hear people say just like but like you can live without it Mm -hmm. you a hundred percent you can live without it my means of living my my just goes it goes to shit like I, i when i tell you that like first off i was exhausted constantly because i was constantly thinking i couldn't get any work done it's a huge problem when you as a clinician like i'm i'm you know in a therapy session with a client and i'm just like counting how many dots i can count on the wall because of the complete the audacity that hollywood and so many movies and tv shows have of like and even us as just everyday people of what adhd is and what and what it really is, right? Like, a small component of that is, like, not being able to focus. Mm-hmm. There is – I mean, it's a huge – it's it's a big part of it, but it's a small – folk. like, it is so many other things. And so when you don't realize that it's, like, an inability to emotionally regulate, when you don't realize it's, like, for kiddos, like, sometimes it's, like, them not be able to have a, like, typical social interaction, right? Like, my, my interactions as a kid – Horrific, because I was so hyper, so excited. And I was self-esteem. interrupting self-esteem. I mean, so many. And, uh, if you're taking it, because stimulants isn't just for ADHD. I take mm-hmm. it for binging disorder. If narcolepsy, yeah, narcolepsy, like um
2: post-concussive it, syndrome.
1: Like, right. So it's not just for and 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 it's this weird thing of like I again. I'm in therapy. I'm doing all this work, and it's if it were any other medication
2: sometimes they just don't even care like what kind of medication it no, is not at you all. know what I mean like with the stimulant shortage we it sort of was like a merry-go-round where like first we were out of Adderall then we were out of Concerta then we were out of Adderall again and then we were out of Ritalin and then finally we were out of Vyvanse, which was like the biggest crisis yeah. on the face of the yeah. earth um and It was so hard because we kept having to switch patients. And a lot of times we were switching them to brand drugs, right? right, Because those were the only ones available. But then we're fighting with insurance companies to pay for the brand drug. Meanwhile, I have people like completely decompensating. Oh, yeah. You know, like I have people entering intensive outpatient programs, like taking FMLA from work like kids that like i'm still working through their yeah. self-esteem issues because of it i mean it has a huge impairment um and for providers it was a huge burden on us like i would say at minimum i got maybe five to ten emails and texts a day about oh, for sure. needing to get people stimulants and you know Because I have like a a fiery rage for insurance companies um, and just like pharma in general that tries to control what we prescribe, I refused to change anyone's medication because of the shortage. So if I had to prescribe like three different doses of something, if I had to call like every pharmacy in the tri state area and get something shipped to someone, like I'm not changing someone's medication because of some fucking bureaucratic bullshit that it doesn't even make sense. No, it it really doesn't. the drug companies are blaming it on DEA quotas. DEA quotas are saying that drug companies have produced a million doses less than they were supposed to. Then drug companies are saying that it's the pharmacies that aren't placing the orders. Like, someone is responsible here, but the people that are suffering are the providers and the patients and the providers that are patients also, aka us.
1: And I think, like... You kind of hit the nail on the head, too, with like, you you refused to to change it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is like a key difference of, at least in my experience, I'm going to just talk about my experience with this. When I was living in Indiana before moving here, I went from seeing my PCP and then there was a a nurse, Cindy Lava, an NP at his office that I started seeing. I saw once because like he couldn't get me in. And I never changed back from the NP to the doctor that was there because I'm positive she was just as busy. As as him, if not more. But girl took the time. Girl had the time. Did she have the time? Probably not. But she had the time. She never once made me feel rushed. She never kind of pushed me out. She explained why she wanted to put me on a medication, how I felt about it, which I think is just – it has to be a difference in, like, ethics or schooling because I know that she had just as many people to see.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's similar to teaching in that you have to have like a calling for it or a passion for it mm-hmm. to become a nurse to begin with. Oh,
1: hundred percent You know, like
2: when you can, with compassion, like give someone a bed bath in a nursing home yeah. and that, you know, change a patient with C. diff like yeah. 42 times right. and it just be like part of your day, yeah. you know, where without judgment you can care for these people, um, then, when you become a nurse practitioner, you have this foundation of yeah. just like being non judgmental, compassionate, caring, putting yourself aside right. to take care of other people. And you know, nothing against physicians, but their training doesn't include putting yourself and your own well being aside to take care of more patients than you right. should be taking care of in mm-hmm. a single yeah. shift, yeah. Um, And so I think by the time nurses become nurse practitioners, it's like they know what it's like to give of their time regardless of whether they have it or not.
1: A hundred percent. Like I've never felt more taken care of. Like the the last time I had to go to the to the emergency room for my adductor, Mm -hmm. a nurse practitioner took care of me and she was just so Mm -hmm. kind and gentle about it and like really like I just I just felt like had Mm -hmm. so much better bedside manner, that matter, yeah. manner than anyone else.
2: I mean, really messed up story. Um, my fiance, Colleen, a couple years ago started vomiting like all the time. Yeah. She's a sergeant in the military, so she was like hardcore every single day, going to work vomiting. So she'd like intermittently go to the ER to get Zofran or an anti-nauseous. Right. Just so she'd go in and be like, I'm vomiting again. I have this rash. Can you just give me like whatever? You know the doctor would see her throw her some zofran right. um and so that happened several times over the course of two years and then one time she was on her way down to the george floyd riots um, to work and she had been vomiting all day she stopped at the er and was like i just need zofran i gotta go to work and the nurse practitioner saw her Um, And then the nurse was like, yeah, they're going to give you Zofran and let you leave. And then the nurse practitioner came in like at the last minute and was like, I'm going to order a CAT scan. And of course, Colleen was like, no, I got to go to work, blah, 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 you know. Um, So she gets the CAT scan and they find an enlarged appendix with a tumor on her appendix.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Mm hmm. And that's how they found her appendix cancer that had been causing the vomiting for all that time. So we say all the time, like, what if the nurse practitioner didn't walk in and right. order that CAT scan?
1: If she just kept, if the, if the physician that was in there just kept giving the, mm-hmm. the vomit medication mm-hmm. or whatever, the anti-nausea, like.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: Right. It's, it's, it's literally like nurses and NPs who like take the time. And I'm sure there are many doctors with private practices who can afford mm-hmm. to take that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my experience, at least, like I, I, I have yet to experience that. It's always mm-hmm. been an NP, and I think that it's such an underappreciated thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I learned a lot of what I know from a physician. He was a DO that I worked for at Penn State, and I like literally owe him so much. Like, but he's there are people like him that exist. Yeah, it's just not inherent in mm-hmm. in who or in how they're trained, right?
1: And meeting the need, right? Like, like, yeah, there's probably not a whole lot. There probably is. I don't know. But, like, in my experience, like, when when you also live in, like, kind of a more rural area, like, that doctor is responsible to see these many people a day because he has to meet that need. Like, people, when they're sick, they can't wait two weeks, right? So, maybe they're overwhelming their schedule. But then, like, I mean, I've told you before, when I was 17 years old, I was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder because... I had to get to the doctor and when they got me in it wasn't like a, let's take you know 45 minutes to an hour to really talk about this and even then that is not enough time like when I was doing community health and they told me I needed to come up with an a diagnosis and an action plan and all that stuff within an hour like that is way too much um but he didn't even get half an hour he had like 10 minutes and diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I found out years 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 later we're talking 13 14 years later that wasn't the diagnosis and it's it's I don't I don't want I don't really want to put fault on him right like I came in I had a need but at the same time like you could have referred me to someone or but when when you you know when it just gets so busy and I feel like there's not the appreciation I mean, that, that nurses and nurse practitioners deserve no, out there.
2: no, I mean, the system is fucked in all areas, like primary care is responsible for taking care of a lot of mental health because of the mental health right. crisis. But like you said, if you're diagnosing bipolar, like you should probably be referring out. yeah, um and some of the drugs they put you on eh, yeah, like, I was not like, in like fun a little stuff. beyond the scope of primary care a little bit. um, but, I think there's no one to blame here other than the system yeah and of course every profession has bad people in right. it but you know the only thing i can reliably tell you has literally zero benefit and is rooted in pure evil fiery hell is the prior authorization
1: And <laughs> you will never That's hear never me find
2: a single nice thing to say about a prior authorization ever
1: because it is just absolutely awful, and I, it's awful absolutely. not only for it's awful like I freak for everyone. Like it's probably awful for the person who like they weren't the ones who denied it, or and you know what I mean, or the pharmacy, or the the, the patient, and you. Like it's just not good for anyone no. around at all.
2: No, no, it's hell. No, I've had people almost hospitalized because they couldn't get their medication. right,
1: And we're not talking about just stimulants. We're talking about like stimulants, which oh. is an example of that. Like, it's bipolar like every, medication. Yeah, it's like every medication out there. It's like when I was on bipolar medication, even though I wasn't mm-hmm. like the need for it. Right. And also, cause you're like on an, uh, on a, like a mood stabilizer. Mm-hmm. Right. So like to not be on that, it is, it seriously just feels like a bus hit you. It just, it feels oh, awful. God. It feels yeah. so bad.
2: I mean, I have a whole like folder of letters that I've written. Um, that, you know, we could probably do, like, multiple episodes to you share. But... You should,
1: um, on our social media, we should post some. Like, we'll oh, obviously block sure. the stuff out. But, like.
2: Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy doing dramatic readings of my prior auth. Sometimes when I'm giving talks, I talk for a few pharmaceutical companies and a genetic testing company. We always end up talking about prior auth because it's, like, the bane of our existence. Yeah. Like, as providers. And so we'll be like, all right, let's take a pre-K pause and read <laughs> A prior auth that Amory wrote this week and then I'll read it and you know, we'll have a little chuckle and they'll copy and paste it into their next prior auth and then it's like, we're coming for you. Do
1: they reuse it? Is there like, now there's got to be like a formula of like how to do it.
2: For sure.
1: It's just again just absolutely wild that we even have to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Like it would make more sense to me if there was a medical health professional there that had to yes, no it. But even then, they don't know the entire medical history of this person. Like,
2: I am board certified in this. If I thought someone could do well in a generic, don't you think I would prescribe it so that my lazy ass didn't have to go through all of this?
1: Not only that, but, like, sometimes even just, like, which, I mean, maybe I'm talking on my ass, but I don't think I am. Like, sometimes even the generic version is still cheaper with the copay than the other.
2: Right, so like it still saving the meds money. Need a prior too. like desvenlafaxine, one of my favorite medications. Needs a prior auth with insurance companies. Do you know why? Because it's expensive.
1: I can't. I can't. Medicine is expensive. It shouldn't be.
2: I mean, right. listen. What's his name from Shark Tank? That,
1: oh God, I don't know. Uh,
2: Mark Cuban. Okay. He like. Oh yeah, started he going to do like a his... smaller. Yeah. Yeah. He started his own like pharmaceutical thing to like get low cost medication to people. Because
1: it's important. Right. Like it's it's generally right. like so important to people. Right.
2: But he can't have controlled substances. So we're still, you That's know, still big. Viva la vibans.
1: And they didn't sponsor this, by the way. We just No, I mean,
2: Vyvanse, like R.I.P. Vyvanse, it was on brand for like 15 years and it is no longer. So I don't really feel bad saying it because they're not going to profit off of it anymore.
1: Also, like there's so many like of the shows we watch, um, TV we watch, movies we watch when it's like so-and-so can't afford their medication at the end of the month or 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 what have you. And it's like it is a real thing. And the fact that it is now like a Hollywood trope of like not being able to afford medication or something that's like literally like people should have to choose between like living and insulin you know what i mean or like 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 it's just wild
2: yeah the one other letter that i have here i'll just summarize it but the insurance company denied a mood stabilizer because they said that it wasn't an fda approved diagnosis or an fda approved dose right now a lot of providers might read that and be like oh okay Well, meanwhile, I'm a medical consultant for the company. Right. So I know every single study that was done and every FDA indication that came out because I was trained on every single one. Right. It was 100% approved at that dose for that diagnosis. In fact, it was the first FDA approval that they got. So are we now trying to gaslight people and hope that they don't realize it? Right. Um, So that was very strongly worded letter, but...
1: It just, it does. Like, I, I remember um when I was put on bipolar medication that I didn't need, Um, I had tried to my doctor for years and years and years, like, I just feel like I have a weird relationship with food. Like, I don't know what it is. Um, And I was binge eating. And so then they put me on a medication, I think it's called like Symbiax or something like that. Um, And I had gained 50, 40 to 50 pounds in a single month. And then I was even more depressed than I was prior because it was like... I literally would like Feel woozy Or like nauseous Walking up a flight of stairs And I was like a dancer So I'd be like You know Go dance Like some hardcore ballet stuff But like I just like I couldn't breathe And I remember being like I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna throw up At all times
2: I mean the most difficult Part about that Is like We're doing patients A disservice By not providing education Right So Symbiax Is a combination Of olanzapine And fluoxetine Yeah An antidepressant And an antipsychotic olanzapine is a fantastic antipsychotic for what it's designed to do yeah. however it causes insane amounts of waking yeah. in most people yeah now I will say there are people that can tolerate it without waking and those people are like Not hashtag me. winning
0: because it's a
2: great drug I had a doctor say to me the other day well you know if it's working like isn't it like a trade-off like no. the waking and I was like sir I'm not trying to give patients type 2 diabetes right. it, so that they don't hurt themselves or other people like we right. can do better
1: and it's not even like a, there are people out there that are just like bigger and that's and it, the the issue was it was the, the, the rapid weight gain it wasn't like the right if i if, it, if i had gained weight in, in in the course of a year or two like that's very different than a month you know mm-hmm. and like it, it like and it wasn't like you know there are people that are much heavier than I am that can run marathons and times I I could only dream of, and it's it was just like it was the the the, the rapidness of it, and I was already binge eating I, but before I took the medication so it was like double the binge and I remember like I mean up until I was diagnosed with binge eating and ADHD did I, was I able to even remotely lose that weight? because I think it like really showed me like oh this isn't a this is not a typical way of eating. But there was, I mean, my God, I remember my doctor being like, well, you're just not, like, looking at different medications, all this we can take. And I was like, no, insurance didn't cover any of it. Like, I, I was, con- I when I first started taking the medication, we were really confused and concerned if, the, if they would even cover the, the I, I my medication that I took was Vyvanse because it also works for binging and ADHD. And so it's just wild. It's wild that someone was going to sit there and do the work to get that approved so I could function as a human being.
2: You know, in addition to that, I feel very strongly about treating ADHD. And I think the insurance companies, the stimulant shortage, this like fear of abuse um just leads to under prescribing. Yeah. You know, and the shortage got blamed on us increasing the prescribing for ADHD, like as if we're giving people medication that don't need it.
1: There's. We're definitely like one of, I think everyone thinks in the U S it's like above, but we're one of the countries that, that diagnose ADHD at a much lower rate mm-hmm. than other people.
2: Yeah. And we know that undiagnosed ADHD in individuals over the age of 12 increases their risk of substance use. Yep. We know that individuals with untreated ADHD have higher mortality and morbidity oh. rates. Um, and ultimately, you know, when we're looking at, the increase in stimulant prescribing, we need to look at the increase in people who access mental health services during right. the pandemic.
1: And I think that's a huge thing too, is like so many people saw therapists and saw mm-hmm. mental health um, physicians and practitioners for the first time ever, mm-hmm. because um, we could no longer run away from the problems, right? right. It's, yeah. it's it, we, we were stuck we were stuck mm-hmm. there, you know. I, 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 I've said this to you. I say this to almost all my clients when we talk about trauma and dealing with it. And I got this from my therapist, so I can't even. But you know, um, trauma is like we are driving a, uh, you know, school bus full of children down a very, very busy highway, right? And there's no chance to turn off, but all of the kids are screaming in the back. So we can't address the kids screaming in the back because we got to just full force ahead, 80 miles an hour down a highway, and. Sometimes when things like a pandemic happens or we move or whatever, we see an exit, we can take that exit. So the pandemic was the exit. We can pull over that bus to a safe spot and then we can deal with the screaming kids in the back. Mm -hmm. The pandemic, everyone's bus stopped. Mm -hmm. And so people couldn't keep themselves busy, keep themselves go- going forward anymore. And we had to start dealing with the screaming kids. So of course you're going to have people specifically with mental illness, right? Cause we tend to take care of our physical health before mm-hmm. our mental health. Mm-hmm. Go get, you know, seen for the first time and i think this was this is something that is huge to me is like whenever someone asks me like where do you go or where do you you know i'm i and i tell them like who can diagnose right like go go to a mental health nurse practitioner like go to these people that can do it because like you waiting in line for your pcp who may at the end of the night and feel comfortable diagnosing you because it's a whole different realm mental health like my God, we need to like give it up and like give all the accolades for nurses and, and NPs because like they're the backbone right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, Nurse Practitioner Week is, I mean, I'm glad that we have a week that we can celebrate nurse practitioners and, you know, our contributions to healthcare because a lot of times we are not recognized. 100%. We're called mid-level prescribers or providers or you know like assistants or whatever it may be but there are nurse practitioners that are changing things yeah. that, that change people's lives every day you know
1: if there was one thing you want people to know like about being a nurse practitioner what it means to be a nurse practitioner to like put the like cherry on the episode like what do you want people to know
2: that's difficult but no. i think for Nurse practitioners, we are driven by our desire to care for other people so that what drives us, probably similar to teachers, is when you have patients that do well or like patients like Colleen that are probably alive solely because of the nurse practitioner in the ER or like some of my kids that are graduating with a 4.0 when they weren't going to school their entire freshman year. Or, you know, the woman that her voice is her whole life and has gone the last three months without hearing a single voice. Like, that's what drives us. And I'm sure for like an acute care nurse practitioner who saves someone during a code, you know, like, I think that's that's what fulfills us. Um, And that compassion and knowing that our compassion matters to other people
1: for those of you who might be watching us on some t- some form of like social media, I want to hear a good story about a time a nurse practitioner, yeah, did something kind or or I don't know. In C- Colin's case, like saved your life, right? Yeah. All right, l- leave down your your best nurse practitioner stories, and we will see you next week.
2: Yes, and happy Nurse Practitioner Week.